welcome to Telling the Tale, the show where we go through each and every one of Telltale's mini episodic games in order to find out what their story really was. I'm your host, Mitchell Farley Wolf, and I'm here today with Dustin Jackson. Hey, Dustin, what's up? Hi, Mitch. Oh, okay. Okay. We're getting a little political on the show. <laughs> I, I can already tell that's going to be interesting. Um, Dustin, did you see what our friend Courtney said about uh, the show, the little bit she listened to it of, uh, of it? I did see what she said. Why don't you, why don't you let uh, all of our friends know what our friend Courtney said? Yeah, so um, our our mutual friend, Courtney, uh, she said, hey, I'm going to check out Telling the Tale, which is very appreciated. Thank you very much for listening to the show. Um, and how. And how, yeah. Like, boy, howdy, is it appreciated. Everyone who's Jumping listening right workers. now, I really hope you're listening. Um, <laughs> she said that at one point, I think in the first episode, I said that there were no signs of Telltale closing. And... I could have said there were no telltale signs of telltale closing. I take this stuff really seriously, Dustin. <laughs> I I feel like already we've gotten off to a rocky start with a uh, with with our puns not being up to snuff. Hey, there's nowhere to go but up, you know. Yeah, that really is the bottom. Not getting that <laughs> pun. Uh, so on this episode about. Abe Lincoln, and how he must die. I feel like we're going to do a little bit better. I think so, too, and I'm glad this episode is called Abe Lincoln Must Die. I'm glad somebody said it. Yeah, everyone's really pussyfooting around it, but uh, eventually we're all going to have to agree that episode four, Abe Lincoln Must Die. Uh, We talked about this episode a little bit before because it was the one free episode that Telltale was giving out to entice people to get into the season. And having played it again, I totally understand why they did this one and not episode one. That's interesting. Explain to me your line of thought, because I I kind of agree. Okay. In that, I do agree. <laughs> um, well, really quick, before we get into the episode proper, let's just uh, do some statistics on it. Uh... Sam and Max Save the World Episode 4, A Blinken Must Die, was originally released on February 22nd, 2007 on GameTap, and about a week later, or two weeks later, on Telltale's official website. And I think that's an interesting release date, as interesting as release dates can be, because all of the previous episodes were, I think, two months apart, and this one's only one month apart uh, from the previous episode. Which means that they're really finding a schedule now that uh, gets these episodes out a little bit quicker. Um, I I would also wager that because this is one of the later episodes, they had more time to do like some stuff on it before it was time to really hunker down and work specifically on this episode. Um, some some thoughts they might have had ahead of time that they could kind of plan out a little more while doing earlier episodes. Yeah, and I I would bet that like the the engine stuff, the the programming stuff that would need to be in every episode is probably pretty ironed out by episode four. Um, although I mean, there's still new concepts every episode that are 
novel that they wouldn't have they probably wouldn't have completely accounted for ahead of time um brendan q ferguson and dave grossman again get writing and design credits alongside chuck jordan who's a new name oh this is his first episode i believe this is his first episode at least with sam and max yeah interesting what a what a good one to start on yeah uh, Jeff Lester, who was credited for episodes two and three, has uh, is no longer credited for this episode. So it looks like there is a, a somewhat significant change in writing, designing credits, uh, starting with this episode. And interesting, I can't tell if it's just because I know that I'm looking for it, but I can kind of, I feel like I can kind of tell a little bit playing through this episode. It, I'm I'm excited to get into it. This, this okay. is this episode in particular is interesting since this <laughs> is the one they gave out for free. Yeah, it is. So um, let's get into it. Like I was saying before, it makes sense to me now that this is the episode that they gave out for free because this feels. I don't know if it actually is significantly bigger than episodes two or three, but it feels larger to me. I I agree. I was thinking the same. Yeah, I I don't know if it has like more rooms or anything countable, but it it feels like it has this huge, um, like not as big. Still, never it, it'll never be as big as Hit the Road. It'll never feel like one big adventure game because it is episodic. But this episode, I think, gets the closest to be like. It's like a shorter one of those rather than something that is maybe too small to hold its weight compared to those. Um, if you know, yeah. if you know what I mean with that. Uh, yeah, I get what you mean. Um, I also I feel like it's bigger in two different ways. It's bigger in that there it feels like there's more actually going on in the episode, but it's also on a bigger scale. This is a much bigger thing. Like I said, one of the reasons I didn't really love last week's episode was it did feel kind of like a smaller not as interesting story just kind of a typical uh mobster kind of story this one it's it's the president of the united states it's a big deal this is a big scale uh uh case sam and max have this time well it's sort of a big deal the way they present (laughs) the president of the united states really (laughs) like at every corner, they they try to just make it seem like, yeah, this is just it's whatever. It's like it's just the White House, man. Like you, you don't need to be a. It's not a big deal. Don't worry about it. <laughs> uh, down to the way that you get into the White House is you call the payphone next to the White House, and the bouncer goes to the payphone. You put him on hold, and then he just walk in the door, and <laughs> and that's it. Um. So let's talk about the plot of the episode. Sam and Max are hanging out in the uh, in, in their office, as they do. And they get a call from the commissioner saying that the president of the United States is acting really weird. He's enforcing mandatory group hugs. <laughs> uh, there's a pudding embargo. And Max sort of, at, at first, he's pretty into all the wacky stuff the president is doing. But then uh, the president starts to talk about potential gun control, and then Max is not having it. And they're on their way to the White House to sort stuff out with the president. 
Oh, perished the thought. Yeah, so um, this is another weird example of, like, Max touching into oddly conservative politics. <laughs> um, <laughs> it, it's happened before. I think the fact that they are police that, like, regularly engage in brutality is, is um, if not part of that, at least poking at that. Um, it, it, I think Max might be, like, a staunch Republican. <laughs> That's interesting. I uh I could see that. He does like uh hurting people. <laughs> wow. I I, wow, Dustin's I get how I get with the, with the politics. <laughs> I get how that sounded. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. It it is no, n- no disrespect to any Republican listeners. Please keep listening. Uh. <laughs> um, I mean, it, it, there are certain things about Max that he's continued to put out uh, about his staunch individualism, uh, he, his uh, dedication to, you know, doing things yourself and being able to, like, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. And, and he'll sometimes get really emotional about certain stories <laughs> of uh, people, like, causing tons of violence, but they did it themselves. Um, so he says i may weep openly i yeah he he does say that um so yeah i think max may be a republican and i think sam has has at up to this point not really engaged politically other than just commenting on everything which is his want (laughs) um so we have uh they, they go to the white house they go inside, they meet the president, they find out the president uh, has those swirly green eyes, which are a telltale sign, got it, that hey. um, there's there's hypnosis going on. And they, um, let's see, is there anything notable between them knocking out the president and uh, and this? Anything notable in the in the plot? Yeah, is there any... I was just going to skip ahead to when they uh, knock out the president. Um, let's see, let's see, let's see. Well, one thing I do like, um... Not necessarily something that happens, but one thing I like about this beginning is it kind of mixes it up a little bit. Um, you're... Usually in these episodes so far, you would start in the office and you would have the choice to go to the scene of the case. Right. But, you know, you could... You could go onto the street and talk to Bosco or Sybil first, but here it kind of railroads you to the White House first, which I like. I think it's a good way to uh, mix it up. I feel like after three episodes, it it's, you know it becomes habit. You just go, all right, here I go. Let's see what new shenanigans Sybil and Bosco are into this week, which is good. I like Sybil and Bosco, but I kind of like that this mixes it up a little bit. Uh, Makes it a little more urgent, I guess. It's like, no, you got to go to the White House now. Yeah, you, we were talking before a little bit about how we would we would always go see what Sybil and Bosco and anything else on Straight Street are up to before we would drive to the place in question. But I think that is a bad habit because, <clears throat> excuse me, because that might actually get in the way of the pacing of the story. Because what we want to do is find out what's happening at the White House? And we're like, yeah, 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 we'll do it. But first I got to see a corner shop for no reason. And then I need to just check in <laughs> on a friend. 
at their um, constantly career-changing offices. So making us go to the place in question first um, might have been a um, a pacing correction. Although they, they, right. they do go back from that, so I'm not sure entirely if that's I, what they were trying to do. I, I think it's a good way to do it. Like, yeah, last time we said we like that we get to see what Sybil and Bosco are up to first, but... I kind of feel like if this episode in particular did it too, this is when it the fatigue of it would start to set in. So I like that they picked the right time to kind of be like, now nah, let's get this story moving first. And I think that is a good way to do it too, because if the story starts, then you can kind of... I don't know, you go into Sybil and Bosco's knowing, like, okay, what they're doing will somehow tie into what's going on at the White House. Right. It kind of uh you you kind of know what to expect a little more and I I like that. It always This does. is probably yeah. the better way to do it. Um speaking of the White House, I think at this point it might be my favorite like one room or or two room area that we've seen in the show. Um sorry, the in the game so far I meant to say. There's so <laughs> many little fun things just out there on the White House lawn. There's one, there, so I mentioned the payphone earlier. If you go to the payphone and then you look at the stool next to the payphone, um, Sam and Max just have a little discussion of like, hey, doesn't that stool kind of look like a space alien creature? And then Max is like, yeah, kind of. And <laughs> just that, like, <laughs> the casualness of a discussion like that is is really nice to see in any kind of video game. Um there's also um, a, a pond out front with a sign. It has a submarine in the pond, and the sign says, please do not feed the submarine. Sam reads the sign, and then Max asks, what can you feed a submarine anyway? And Max goes, nothing. Weren't you listening? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> which is one of my favorite kind of dad jokes. It's so good. Yeah, so... and. And our friend Jimmy Two Teeth is just lounging in the in the pool too. He doesn't really do anything this this episode, but he's there. He is there. Um, so as soon as we realize that the president is hypnotized, we know that we need to knock him on the head. We've done this before with all three soda poppers in the first episode. We've done it with Myra. Um, I don't think we actually did it with anyone in episode three, but. You know, it, the, the knowledge is still there. And uh, right from the beginning of the episode, we have the boxing glove in our inventory. From the old episodes. We don't always well, have all the old stuff. That's, but, uh, that's, not, that's not true, though. The boxing glove is next to the pool. Max says, uh, my missing boxing glove. And Sam says, it's always in the last place you look. Wait, is that real? Yeah. I you, was... you get the... You get the boxing glove next to the pool. I was positive it was in your inventory to begin with. Oh man. <laughs> what a what a what a sticky wicket I found myself in misremembering things. That's okay, Mitch. You're only human. I am. So <laughs> Wizard comes into the Oval Office. After you've talked And and about the crowd goes bit. wild. Everyone does love how Wizard is. So, the, uh, it is revealed that Wizard has been elected governor of West Dakota. 
which is the westernmost of the Dakotas, if you're unfamiliar. And despite having a completely normal English voice, I mean, he's got a little bit of a voice, but Wizard is very understandable. Uh, the president insists that he requires translators so that he just he just, he just can't understand him. He just can't that's, understand. That's my favorite. That's my favorite part of this whole episode. He he just can't understand Wizard. He's speaking clearly and everything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The and then you just make up. You you're meant to be the interpreters, but. You can just make up what he's saying. You don't have to tell him what he's saying. Yeah, and Wizard doesn't seem to notice this, so maybe Wizard also doesn't speak the president's language. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, They're both totally speaking English. Um, The president says some pretty racist stuff (laughs) about about foreign dignitaries in a way that makes me wonder, like, I actually don't think that joke would have been included in 2021, Um, but it is in the remastered (laughs) version. There's... um, he he refers to any foreign language as moon talk gobbledygook. Um, he says about the foreign dignitaries that he has to visit. I just keep an eye on them to make sure they don't try to steal something or eat the cat. Oh, jeez. Yeah, that's pretty. Uh, oh, boy. That's, <laughs> that's like pretty out there. But also, I think, plays into the idea that this president is not just a pastiche of presidents. This is very specifically a pastiche of George W. Bush. Yeah. Who is um, president at the time of this video. He game. has he has he has the voice. The uh Can you believe this game was three presidents ago? Boy, I sure can't. <laughs> that that makes me think about how how fast time is going, and yeah. I don't like it. No, I'm not a fan of that. Thanks, Sam and Max. <laughs> Yeah, after... <laughs> why Why didn't you consider that one, Telltale? Yeah, I mean, I think it's way more funny. I, I've always felt this. It's way funnier to make fun of George W. Bush than it is to make fun of Trump. Um, But Trump is... It's because it's such, like, low-hanging fruit, right? So if yeah. this was a Trump puppet, um, I don't know. Oh, my God. I don't really know what that would be other than just, like, the... Um, just bigly jokes, jokes about his being tiny, his tiny hands. Yeah, his tiny. The puppet would have very small hands. Boy, I'm glad this game came out when it did. Yeah, and then like if it was Obama or Biden, not to say that they don't have their problems, but like I don't even know what you'd really make fun of. Yeah, I mean, I guess George W. Bush was just like the perfect, uh, goofy person for the job yeah yeah you know of being made fun of i mean he is in in my opinion still the funniest president and that's not to say <laughs> i'd ever 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 consider voting for him <laughs> but <laughs> but if I, he had like a tv show or something yeah you know credit where it's due he might be the funniest president um <laughs> yeah yeah i'm not gonna get partisan on the comedy of messing up your words and stuff um so so right so the the racist stuff he says about the foreign dignitaries may be a play into like how people viewed george w bush um at the time although i don't i don't really know exactly if that's something that he did but i i think it's something that you could imagine him doing which is maybe more important um 
So what Wizard has come to talk to the president about is how he needs more funding for MRSAPP, which is a new program he set up, the Mount Rushmore Soda Abuser Prevention Program. I didn't write that down. That was off the dome, by the way. I remembered what that st- uh, what that stood for. Wow, very impressive. I wouldn't have been able to do that, so I didn't. Yeah, you are privileged to be on a podcast with me, the guy who remembers. Um, <laughs> That's true. That's what I tell myself every day. So it turns out that Wizard's urina- like frequent urination situation is not actually a result of just his body. It's specifically because of the things that he drinks. Not even how much he drinks, just what he drinks. Which is soda. Yeah, it, it's it's soda pop. Is this a thing about soda? That it makes you uh, make pee-pees? Yeah, I mean, all liquids would. But it, does the soda do it more than tea or coffee? I'm no scientist, so I can't say for sure. But I see... It never really occurred to me. I just kind of thought, oh, any liquid, he just has that addiction to soda, which makes him drink it more, which makes him pee more. Because later when he drinks the vodka, he doesn't have to pee. Spoilers for the episode, but... Yeah. He he doesn't have to pee later when he drinks a liquid. Yeah. So maybe it is just soda. He also asks, um, at at one point, you're like, do you want uh, anything to drink? And then Max just lists off a bunch of different kinds of sodas uh, to mess with him and then ends it with, or tea. And then Wizard says, tea, please. Uh, So maybe he just doesn't have that problem with tea uh, either. So I think it is just soda. It's just soda makes this guy pee. Um, I mean, it all makes him pee, but soda makes him pee the most. Yeah, I I would chalk it up to... It's not the soda itself, but it's that he loves soda so much that he drinks it way more than everything else. So if he drinks soda, he's going to drink a lot of soda. Okay. And that's going to make him make tinkles. I see. That's a a really good observation. Um, Yeah, I I have my degree in wizard science. (laughs) Yeah, you have a wizard, wizardry, wizardry. <laughs> Whoa! Okay. Yeah, I think that might be the most impressive thing you've ever said. Again, you are honored to be on my podcast. Um, That's true, and I mean <laughs> it this time. Um, so you can you can play as the interpreters between Wizard and the President, and what you need to do is basically tell the President that what Wizard is saying is that he's asking for a drink, uh, and then the President offers him an orange soda from like the globe container next to his desk. And wizard's like, wait, you can't offer me that. I'll have to take it. I'm, I'm an addict. And then he drinks the orange soda immediately has to go to the bathroom. Um, and then you, you tell, (laughs) uh, the, the president, where is the bathroom as the next thing that wizard supposedly says. And the president says the bathroom's right there. And then, he, or you can say, where is the war room? So you're asking the president, where's the war room? So the president points at the war room. Wizard thinks it's the bathroom. And then he runs toward it, gets caught. And then the security guard that's usually next to the president takes Wizard out of the Oval Office because he was trying to break into the war room. With the security guard gone, you can use the boxing glove on the president's head 
and it knocks it clean off his neck. <laughs> it, it just oh no! Removes his head permanently. Yeah, there's no there's no longer any head in which there was once a head. So it turned out the president was not a person being hypnotized. The president was a puppet hypnotizing other people. Um, oh boy! Yeah, if I had a nickel, <laughs> am I right? <laughs> and all of those weird things the president was saying on those um, televised little pressers or whatever he was doing turn out to be actually uh, hypnotic keywords. So that sucks. But you took care of it, which means that A, the day is saved. There's no more, you know, hypnotizer at the White House. Oh, by the way, should I say that the security guard that the president has is Chuckles, who is, uh, who is like the, the second in command of the toy mafia in the last episode. Right. Our good friend Chuckles from the Toy Mafia. He's in the last episode, at the end of the last episode, he said, we're moving on to uh, Plan B. And Plan B is being a security guard for the president and using the president to hypnotize the masses. Yeah, so I guess Plan A was selling those bears that hypnotize people. Um, And then I guess they were intending to just get so popular that everyone had a bear. Which is which? Interesting to me because like some people just are are pretty old for toys like that. So I I, I wouldn't think that that would be the way to get into mainstream culture selling stuffed bears. But maybe two thousand seven was a different year for than now in terms of stuffed bear popularity. <laughs> teddy bears were in that year. Everyone was buying them. I actually do feel like teddy bears were more in than than now. Is that a completely bullshit <laughs> thing or I don't is know. that real? I I maybe because nowadays there's phones, tablets and stuff. I think toys in general just aren't as big as they were. So maybe teddy bears were bigger back then. Maybe. Um so then plan B after the factory blows up is to get the president to hypnotize the masses. Uh so we're we're coming around a little bit on figuring out exactly what this hypnotization plot is about but we don't find anything significantly in that way um until later on after this episode other than the fact that chuckles seems to be involved at a pretty high level you'd never guess it it's always the people you least expect yeah he he really looks conspicuous with the whole way that he is (laughs) um so if you go out to the white house lawn after that you'll find out that Everyone immediately knows the president was dead and also a puppet. Uh, so we need to have another presidential election. So, Max, turn, it turns out you can just run. There's really yeah, no, it's not no hard to qualifications. Do. There's no application. There's no there's no service that sort of oversees it. <laughs> you can just go <laughs> up there. Um, and the opposition, again, headed by Chuckles, is a roboticized automaton in set inside the Lincoln Memorial. So it's, it's Lincoln's body, the most beloved of all the presidents, Sam says, which I think is probably true. Uh, Walks over in giant stone robot form. And then he's running for president. So it's really Max versus this guy also versus Ralph Nader. 
you never see him, but when you look at the polls, it's always Lincoln, Max, and Nader as the uh, <laughs> the choices. That is also a very 2007 thing. But up to that point, I think Ralph Nader had run third party in like four different presidential elections at that point. That is a lot of races. Yeah, it it he, like he's making the memes himself of yeah, <laughs> you know, you could you could also vote for me if you like. If you want. If you if you are disillusioned with the main choices. I don't know. I don't know anything about Ralph Nader. I don't want to down downplay his uh followers' legitimacy. Maybe Yeah, maybe I he's mean, cool. hey, he made he made it into Sam and Max, didn't he? Yeah, I think he had something to do with tires. <laughs> That's not a joke. I think hang on. It's gonna it's Google time for Ralph Nader. Uh, Hi, I, Ralph Nader. I think he had something to do with tires. Like something to do with tires. That's what it says on his uh, business card. This might be some. Okay, hang on. He first came to prominence in 1965 with the publication of the best-selling book *Unsafe at Any Speed*, a highly influential critique of the safety record of American automobile manufacturers. So it is a, it's car-related. It, tires, I may be made up. But something about the safety of cars. Um, mm. I would not be surprised well, if he was somehow related to the um, advent of safety belt laws, perhaps. Mm. Mm. I don't know. Interesting. Yeah, that's a long Wikipedia page. I can't find out now. Let's read all of it on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, well, for, uh, for uh, patrons only, we'll we'll do the Ralph Nader Wikipedia page episode. <laughs> the extended cut. Yeah, I should make a Patreon for that. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> you have to run against Abraham Lincoln. And it's at this point that I think um, you, you don't have to just stay in the White House anymore. You can go back to Straight Street. I mean, you can, you could always do that, but there was, now there's reason to do that. Uh, yeah. So let's talk about what Sybil and Bosco and Hugh Bliss are all up to, because they're all on the street. Our good pals, yeah, our good friends on the street. The holy trinity. Uh, Sybil. <laughs> Sybil's running Sybil's a dating service. Sybil's got a dating service. service. I love that. It's great. I, I like that she's uh, taking initiative with her love life and everyone else's. Yeah, so... <laughs> I think this is actually the career that she's had in the game so far. It's the fourth one, but it's the one that is most like, yeah, wait, actually do this. Why would you, why is this even that weird? Do the dating service job. This is great. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess the only part of it that she's bad at is she seems more focused on just getting a date for herself rather than anyone else. But that could just be that she doesn't have any clients other well, than herself. Yeah, the two two defenses of that are, one, she doesn't have any clients other than herself and Sam and Max. If you want, you can sign Sam and Max up for it. And two, the only application you send to her really does actually sound like a pretty good match for Sybil. Um, yeah. Spoilers. You give her Abraham <laughs> Lincoln's campaign flyer, and then she's like, oh, I want to date Abraham Lincoln. Who doesn't? Yeah. Get in line, sister. Me, I guess. Too tall. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
if you ask Sybil how many applicants she's had so far, she says, so far, none. And then Sam says, none is the loneliest number, which is a good, <laughs> it's a good line. Um, One thing I noticed in Sybil's office this time that I had never noticed before um she has one of her alien love triangle times flyers on her cactus, and it's a picture of this weird-looking potato, and it says, potato, alien love child, you decide. <laughs> I love that. that. That's a really good one. Um, <laughs> if, if you say you want to be set up with a date, Sam and Max tell her, like, okay, we really want someone who is into the outdoors, uh, you you can choose what it is. Someone who's into pets, you know, like all all that stuff. And then because you both are saying that, like you, Sam and Max are saying that, Sybil comes out and says, well, it looks like your ideal soulmate, Max, is Sam. And Sam, your ideal soulmate is Max. Uh, <laughs> which, of course, it is because you were saying that you agreed on all the stuff that you were feeding to Sybil. Um that just more fodder for something we haven't talked about, but there is a large contingency of fans of Sam and Max online who do strongly insist that Sam and Max are in a gay romantic partnership. And, uh, you know, there's really not that much to disprove it. Yeah, it could go either way. Um, I don't know where I land on that. They could, I, I guess it's just not something that comes to mind very often since uh yeah no i, they're, <laughs> I they're, get it they're 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 just doing their uh their cases and stuff but uh it could be yeah i think they of, seem they seem very compatible i think of other popular potential um gay romantic partnerships in fiction uh like finn and poe from the star wars sequels come to mind that people mm-hmm. really want them to be together but in that case, it, no offense if you're a, a Finn Poe truest, truthist, um, truther, tr- all right. Shipper. Shipper. Yeah. No offense if you are a pin, Finn pin. No offense if you're a pin shipper. But <laughs> I don't really think there's that much in the movies to really suggest that they are that way. Other than like a, a couple scenes that really could be read some other way. As much as people just want it to happen, which is fine. I think it's it's totally justified to want any kind of ship to happen. That's sort of the way a lot of people think about characters when they watch movies and play games. But in Sam and Max, there's there's more evidence than even Finn and Poe have. They're, they very well might just be that way. They live together they spend all of their time together they really do seem to complement each other pretty well um we haven't talked about this at this point yet have we i don't think we have yeah i don't know i i'm full i'm full on saying yeah they might very well be gay um and sybil's dating service in this scene sort of yeah it makes that make sense although there is a little bit of gay panic that is very 2007 at the uh in in response to Sybil saying that they are each other's soulmates uh Sam and Max are both like ew let's never speak of this again <laughs> and then they like go back to living together all the time <laughs> <laughs> I I guess that would be one of the few things that might go against it yeah i mean 
They, yeah, I, I think they are at least a little closeted, uh, if they are <laughs> that way. Um, yeah. Yeah, but I'm, I mean, they, I think they could be gay. I think they probably, at least Max, because Max's thing uh, that Sam says about him all the time is... You don't even like girls. Yeah, yeah, so... He never says that about boys, so that's <laughs> that's true. That's thing. Uh, so if you go over to Bosco's, Bosco is in a Russian outfit now. He's just pretending he's Russian. He is Vladimir Ilyevich Boskovorsky. Ooh, good note taking. <laughs> I try. Uh, so he's wearing <laughs> he's wearing a, like a Russian hat with the hammer and sickle right on the front of it. And he's got, like, a hammer and sickle flag behind him. And Sam goes, I'm having trouble placing the accent this time. Mid-Atlantic states? The San Fernando Valley? Uh, (laughs) Which is really funny to me. My mom is from the San Fernando Valley. And uh, I saw some home videos of what she sounded like growing up. And she, her voice was the most valley girl I've ever heard. Um, so that's what that accent would be san fernando is just very valley girl valley girl sort i always wondered what you would call that other than valley girl now i know yeah san fernando san fernando valley that is the valley they're talking about that is the valley now i get it um so this this game's educational (laughs) it really is um bosco has a new missile defense system that's a thing <laughs> that's that's yeah that's true he just got it he just has a missile defense system that's all so he's augmented BTADs too in order to instead of stopping deliveries to the store stop missiles flying at the store all he had to do was go into the code and replace the words beef jerky with intercontinental ballistic missiles and it just works <laughs> that's that's some smart engineering you know yeah you know Bosco's pretty smart when you think about it yeah and it turns out he he did this because he was paranoid that the feds were targeting his store for potential bombings and stuff and it turns out he's completely right they absolutely were we find that out once we go into the (laughs) war room in the oval office yeah good on him turns out his uh his paranoia was uh a good thing it worked out in this case it works out pretty much in every case. Like, he's right about these things. Um, That's true. <laughs> I, I, I can't decide whether he actually is justified in thinking what he thinks, or if it's more like he just lucks on to being correct about the paranoia. It It's just, like, the biggest coincidence. Yeah, like, he's just he just is a paranoid person, but the world is pretty shitty. So his guesses are <laughs> correct. Um, he's selling a truth serum for $100 million. Uh, I, I love the, the running joke of like his, his special, uh, things behind the counter just keep going way up in price. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Every episode is just more and more. It's just more and more and more. Now it's a hundred million dollars. I don't have a hundred million dollars. I don't think you do either. No. That's so a lot. That's so a lot. You were you were correct in guessing that I don't have it. I mean, it's a bit <laughs> of a, a a sore spot for me though. If if we, uh, you know, I, I'm sorry I brought it up. Yeah, I'd prefer to have it. 
(laughs) (laughs) I will say, I think I think one hundred million dollars is actually not that bad a deal for a serum that makes anyone tell the truth about anything. There is. I mean, it's 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 not a good deal for this kind of truth serum you get from them. But in general, it would be a good deal. Truth serum is not actually a fake thing. Mm. Uh, It sort of exists in the real world. Uh, It doesn't exactly prevent you from telling lies at all but it makes your inhibitions go down so you know any any uh gut response you might have to a question if i just said dustin what color is your hat you would immediately say i don't wear it and then (laughs) uh like there is a thing there's a chemical name for it that's not you know truth serum but you can do that uh it's not exactly completely psi fantasy uh, that's just a fun fact. You can look some videos up of it working on YouTube. Wow. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, you don't have $100 million, so you leave. Hugh, <laughs> Hugh Bliss is standing there on the street in between the office building and Bosco's, and he's just giving away books, giving away copies of Emetics. What a nice guy. Yeah, I don't have anything written down for Hugh Bliss. Um, I like his colors reflecting on the objects around him. That was newly added for the uh, remaster. I think we probably already said it in episode two, but it's just a neat little visual effect. Yeah, um, especially because the colors that are reflecting off of Hubliss are actually not the colors of Hubliss. He just seems to be emanating some rainbow that yeah. you can't see on him, but does exist because you can see it reflect off things. Um, that's a, that's a really cool thing for him. Again, he's just doing his weird color magic, um, being the way that he is. He's out here on the street being, being really nice to people, giving away free books. Um, the fiend. Yeah. So he has a, he has a sign on his, uh, bookstore that says free to, uh, free home delivery. And if you tell him to do a magic trick, he'll make himself disappear and you just take the sign and that's the only amount of engagement you have to give to hubliss this episode yeah it, it's a whole character in this episode a character making a return and all he's there for is so you you can solve a puzzle to get an item to use for a bigger puzzle yeah that's it <laughs> which yeah which i guess is fine it gives you it, it's still a puzzle but it's it's kind of interesting that he's here on the street with uh, Bosco and Sybil, and this is all this is all he's here for. Yeah, he's he's not part he's not part of the story at all, which I guess is fine. So it does its job. So you have an election to win. For some reason, you really want Max to beat uh, robotic Abraham Lincoln. I think the the reason they give for this being important is that Lincoln is controlled by the whatever group is hypnotizing people but really i think he just want max to run for president so you do it <laughs> um, you can beat lincoln every at every argument because if you press him on issues he will look at his cue cards and he'll just read whatever's there so you can put the free home delivery sign there and you can ask him about toxic waste management and he'll say that the answer is to deliver it to people's homes my favorite is um, you ask him how he feels about uh, church and schools, and he says, uh, two wrongs don't make a right. Yeah. 
<laughs> That's great. Uh, and then the other one I think is uh, you you put a an army recruitment poster in there that says "Give me all you got," and then you ask him about his tax policies. You just got to give him everything, all you got. <laughs> give me all you got. And uh, that'll get you. That'll get Max and Lincoln pretty close in the polls, just about neck and neck. The thing that really puts you over is if you get Sybil to show up at the White House and act like she has a date with Lincoln. Uh, and then Lincoln's like, no, I've been married to Mary Todd for hundreds of years. And <laughs> uh, I wrote down in my notes here that this scene made me realize that Sybil looks a little bit like Mary Todd Lincoln. Huh. Just a little bit. I, ne- I, I never compared the two. Also, Lincoln has that sort of mole or wart on his chin. And Sybil has a, a beauty mark in about the same place. Oh, that's true. Yeah. You have to make Sybil cry here. That's not cool. Yeah, that's not that's not the best. They really are it's, it's not <laughs> made for it's each other. It's not cool. That's true. Sybil gets shafted pretty hard <laughs> multiple times this episode. Yeah. <laughs> you need to make her cry. You need to make her drive all the way to Washington, D.C. And then it turns out there's no date to be had. <laughs> How shitty is that? She has to drive all the way to Washington, D.C. just to have this done to her. Yeah. Are they in New York? Where are they? Where's the office? I'm not sure. I I was going to bring that up, too. I think Jersey-esque, New York-esque city. Jersey sounds right. Like, maybe Newark. Uh, I mean, I don't think it's ever confirmed. But it's something like that. It's a big city. Mm -hmm. Pretty run down. I would believe Newark, actually, for sure. Um, and another thing that happens to Sybil is, uh, we're cutting ahead a little bit, but after you win the um, the election, Sybil gets really sad because of the, the dating thing. So now she starts a carbon dating business because she doesn't have any money to change the this, this sign for her place. And you need the carbon dater. So what you can do as president is Max can sign a bill that... Uh, allots all of the budget to Sybil's store and then Sybil gets excited and then just leaves the store she goes on vacation and then so you go in there you get the carbon dater because she doesn't need it anymore and then you move all the money away from her store into something else later in the episode (laughs) Uh, so like you make her think that she's won millions of dollars and then you just take it all away you really do Sybil dirty yeah um it's interesting that this is the episode where Sybil is most tied into the plot. Like, she does a lot in this episode. Or rather, you have to do a lot to her in this episode. Which uh, sucks for her, but at least we get to progress in our little video game. Yeah, this is another reason that I I think this episode is a really good first episode, if not the actual first episode, for people that wanted the, the free episode. Because... In this one, Sybil is has a huge role. She feels like a major character. Bosco uh, himself doesn't have that huge of a role, but his store is hugely important later on. Um, and Hugh Bliss is there. Jimmy Two Teeth is there. The Soda Poppers have a pretty important role. Um, the there's lots of characters. Yeah, the 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 hypnotization plot is maybe at like a peak of being important right now. Um, it, it all seems like this is a really good primer to 
what the world of this season is like in this episode. Yeah. I, I didn't really think about it, but that's all very true. It's a very good episode to kind of sell you on playing the rest of the season. So Max is president. Um, and that that <laughs> yep. actually doesn't go away. He just is the president of the United States for the foreseeable future. Yeah. I think at one point in the Dev- Devil's Playhouse, they may, they may be, which is season three, by the way, they maybe imply that he isn't president anymore, but... At least for the rest of season one and season two, he is the president of the United States. Yeah, I I like that he doesn't even have to stay at the White House. He can he can just be president from the office. Yeah, he can, and he is <laughs> like he. <laughs> they they just let him do that. I think Trump tried to do something like that, where his permanent residence was not at the White House at at some point. Um. I'm I'm not sure if he actually went through with that or, or if it was like challenged that you can't do that or, or something like that. But he should have said, uh, Sam and Max season one. Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. Um, I quote the classics here with Sam and Max season one. There is precedent <laughs> for this. So he's president and that means he can do a lot of stuff. Um, he can move the day on the calendar, changing what day of the month it is. I love that he can just change what day it is. Yeah, he declares it April 24th. Like, <laughs> uh, and he's got a weird version of April where there's Passover and Earth Day and Easter and uh, Labor Day. Labor Day is actually in September, I think. Um, I don't know when Passover is actually. Passover might be near there. I know Earth Day and Easter are commonly in April. Earth Day is all the time. But yeah, you can just go around on the on the calendar, put a put a sticky note on that day and it is that day. He he just has that power. Yeah, one of my favorite Easter eggs in the game is if you put the sticky note on Easter, uh they have a little conversation about having hidden eggs in the White House lawn. Then you go out, and if you look in the golf hole on the White House lawn, there is an Easter egg in there. And then you add it to your inventory, and it doesn't do anything. <laughs> it's it's just for funsies. It's, it's just, just a little, a little Easter, Easter egg. egg joke. It's an Easter egg that is an Easter egg. It's a real Easter egg. <laughs> uh, the soda poppers are in your office immediately. They had no trouble being let in. Uh, everyone loved the soda poppers so much that all three of them were elected governor, but there were only two states that did it. So how do you... Oh, no. Uh, So all three of them need to now split up the two Dakotas into three Dakotas, which explains the presence of West Virginia... Or, sorry, West Dakota from earlier. Um, I think the funniest thing about this... I I was laughing to myself even after you said it. Everyone loves the soda poppers. (laughs) Everyone loves them so much. (laughs) That could not be any farther from how it is in reality yeah and they keep introducing themselves as former child stars but you guys you have enough cash socially to like just be current stars why do you have to be former child stars even when you're governors you can just be the thing you are now you don't need to keep anyway Former child stars probably get some more clout and attention and love than being governor does. There's actually a a note here that I have about the show More Than Jerks. 
Max says, Sam and I always watch your show with a sense of detached irony. <laughs> uh, and that is, uh, that's an interesting tidbit into like how good More Than Jerks actually was. Because we know it ran for a little while. It was at least more popular than Culture's Clubhouse in the 70s. So, yeah, I, I guess right. they don't they didn't actually like it, but they did watch your show. <laughs> they did watch the show. At the end of the day, that's the important part. It still brought in ratings. Right, that is you're right. That is the important part. Um so you make the soda poppers angry with each other by giving Wizard vodka, which yeah, that that will do it in real life too. It works. V- yeah, vodka is the uh truth serum that bosco gives you for 100 million dollars yeah and all you have to do in order to get bosco a million dollars is to give him a million dollars in the budget or a hundred million dollars yeah you do that by using the carbon dater to scan the uh, rotating weenies at his store and it says these these weenies uh come from a long time they predate fire sam says yeah so that that makes Bosco's inconvenience a historical landmark, uh, which means you can give him $100 million. Yeah, and you do the same thing with Sybil by making her tiki, uh, or you carbon date her tiki, and it turns out that that itself is uh, thousands of years old also. Yeah, she doesn't get to keep it, though. Bosco gets it now. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And knowing that Max is the president, I don't think that's ever going to get corrected. (laughs) That's true. I I don't remember if that's ever brought up in the next episode or not. I wonder... It's been a while. I wonder if Sybil uh, gets screwed. Yeah, I'm excited to see what Sybil's up to in the next episode. I doubt it's great. Um... (laughs) (laughs) Let's see. Um... Then you get the 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 soda poppers make the Dakotas go to war, which means that it's now a time of war. You can go in the war room, uh, and your your goal here is to send some intercontinental ballistic missiles at the Abraham Lincoln thing. But uh, he doesn't have a beacon on him. There's only a couple beacons around. There's one beacon in the Antarctic, uh, the Antarctic, where you can just send a missile and it'll blow some stuff up. You can uh, send a missile to Krypton. There's a beacon somehow on the planet of Krypton. Uh, <laughs> you, you press the fire button and it says estimated time of arrival, 26 million years. Um, so you can't see it blow up now. You have to wait. Sam says, better pull up a seat, little buddy. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's good. Um, and there's another one in Moscow where if you fire the intercontinental ballistic missile at moscow what what happens at the kremlin does anything happen i don't remember i don't remember either oh it says i no, wish no i had beacon. The it says no beacon so they're, they're always oh, watching right. the kremlin but they don't actually have a missile trained on it um and then right. bosco's store is the fourth and final place that there is a missile yeah at. he's <laughs> He's right. The government is watching him, and they do have it marked. <laughs> so they can just shoot a, fire a missile at Bosco whenever they want. So from the camera placement... I think this is a really interesting puzzle. From the camera placement that you see Bosco's store in, in the, the war room, you go to where that camera would be, 
you find the camera and then there is a beacon right next to the camera. You can pick it up and move it somewhere else. Did you figure that out your first time? That you can like figure out where the beacon is based on the camera? I don't remember if I figured it out the first time since that was like just so long ago. But this time, this recent playthrough, I did. I This is a very good puzzle. I love it. I, I like that you have to go into the war room to figure it out first. To figure out that Bosco has the beacon. And then from that, you just figure out where the beacon is. It's just this nice, smooth little sequence of events that you can figure out. Yeah, uh, I, I really like it. So you can take that beacon and then you go chase down Abraham Lincoln throw the beacon at Lincoln and then go back to the war room and fire the missile and you will fire the missile, which by the way, the missile is the Washington monument. <laughs> um, you can just fire the whole Washington monument at the Lincoln Memorial. And as Lincoln's running away, after you fire the missile at it, he says, I am the most powerful presidential monument ever created. And then he's struck down with the Washington monument. Uh, which I think is pretty good. And that's the end of the episode. That is the end of the... It ends with uh, Chuckles receiving a mysterious voice in his communicator. Oh, I wonder who it could be. Yeah, I don't... I don't remember what Chuckles says. Do you remember what Chuckles says to the voice? I don't think he says anything, does he? He's he's knocked out. And then the person on on the... communicators just saying like oh time to move on to the next plan yeah not they say it a little better well well written than i did but yeah they uh they're they're giving less away at the end of this episode than they would normally do yeah which i i guess works you still want to figure out who it is on the other line you want to know who is at the top of this uh hypnotic pyramid yeah, normally you, you'd get a little bit more about it, but this was supposed to be the second to last episode, so the, the players playing at the time would have thought, like, whatever is the next episode is, that's the end of the game. So we are probably not going to get too many hints about, like, what the actual ending is right before we see it. Um, but it turned out there were actually two more episodes, and, and there, there was a secret last episode here. Um... What do, you, what do you think about this episode in general, now that we've talked about all the plot points? I think it's great. I think it's a very good episode. Like you said, lots of returning characters, lots of uh, good, uh, fun puzzles. You get a musical number in there with the war song. Oh, we didn't even talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. I I love that this series, just this series in general, has so many songs. And even the original game had some had a song in it too sam and max is just a musical little series yeah i like that i like that about the uh, about the run um i think this is the best episode so far i agree i agree um i went in think knowing like this was gonna be one of the best but yeah it's it's just it's better than every episode so far yeah i remember thinking that I liked Reality 2.0, the next episode, a little bit more at the time. Um, but I think that might have just be- been because, like, one of my favorite things was shows or games where you go inside a computer uh, and, like, you're you're doing all so- sorts of cyber bullshit in there. <laughs> um, like, that, yeah, that's my well, favorite theme. I it, it might be really close. Like, I don't want to 
get into reality 2.0 too much here in this episode. Uh, but I feel like it has some things that might put it over this for me. But I think overall, this one feels like a more solid, typical Sam and Max case. This this does a good job of showing you what Sam and Max do, what they're all about, while also being a grander scale with more character. It, it's just kind of firing on all cylinders in this one. I think that's true. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, Sam and Max... Save the World, Episode 4, Abe Lincoln Must Die, um, is probably a little bit less funny moment to moment than the past episodes actually, though. That's something I noticed. I was laughing like at, at fewer lines. Um, I had a lot of favorite lines last episode. Didn't have as many this episode. That's funny you say that. I actually... Uh, well, I don't know. I don't know if I have as many as I did last time, but I feel like I, when I was taking these notes, I was like, oh, I hope I don't have too many of these. Oh, cool. Well, in that case, why don't we jump into our segments? Okay, let's do that. Let's jump into these segments, our f- these so-called segments. Yeah, they are called that. Uh, our first segment is Potent Pickups, where we talk about Potent our favorite pickups. inventory item this episode. Dustin, what is your favorite pickup? Um, we were talking about it before the show. Um, it was kind of hard to pick. There was a couple I was kind of debating between, but I think I got to go with the cue cards, the cue cards that you can make Abe Lincoln read during your debates, just because there's lots of them. You can collect them all over. Uh, they lead to funny results. Um, you know, you only use them for the one puzzle, but it is a very fun, memorable puzzle. Yeah, I think those are pretty good. Um. This episode is lighter on inventory items than most. At least it mm-hmm. feels that way to me. Um, there's another good appearance from the bug where you can um, just have the bug record some sound. There is a, there's another good appearance from the boxing glove where you can punch the president's head clean off his body. <laughs> uh, but I think for me it was a toss-up between the Easter egg, which is good in, in a in a isolated sort of way. Um, but I, I think I'm actually going to go with the carbon dater. Interesting. With, I, I, I wouldn't have guessed. You can carbon date a lot of stuff in the game. And there's only one thing you need to do, which is the weenies at Bosco store. But if you use it on like pretty much any item, you can find out how old it is. And that's really cool. There's a lot of hidden, um, dialogue lines in there related to the carbon dater i love i love things like that i love when you have an item and it's uh you really only need to use it on the one thing but if you use it on anything else you'll get lots of different dialogue just lots of little fun things um you are uh you told me you've been playing psychonauts recently and that game has a lot of things like that i i I just love uh it's totally pointless but it's very fun yeah, I have been playing Psychonauts lately. I haven't been playing as much as I wanted to because I was, I found myself in a weird situation where I was playing like five games at once. Um, <laughs> but I just beat two of them, so now I need to focus down. Um, I can't, I can't do that at all. Like uh, our our mutual friend Andrew, he's always playing multiple games at the same time, and I just can't. I I feel weird if I'm playing like two. Yeah, I mean, I do do it, but I also can't. 
Uh, like, you you said doo-doo, but I know that's not the purpose of this conversation, so please continue. It actually was. I was building to it. Oh, in that case, I thought it was very funny. Thank you, Dustin. Uh, our, our second <laughs> segment is Linguistic Gymnastics, where we talk about our favorite dialogue lines from the episodes. Yes, folks, we have, in fact, landed on Linguistic Gymnastics as the permanent name of this segment. Oops. I was I was just about to say when it when the show first started I thought oh that name is very bad but you know we'll think of something better but now I can't imagine anything better yeah I we we've really done uh you know Crash Bandicoot was originally called Wally the Wombat and the team were so attached to that name that when uh when Sony came in or Universal came in I forget who did it and told them you can't call it that that's too dumb. They were like really <laughs> mad about it for a while before they eventually grew to love Crash Bandicoot um, because it was always just supposed to be a temporary name, but then they got attached to it. Mm-hmm. It'll it'll happen with it... any temporary name. Yeah, I mean, they made a good call. Willy Wombat is not a very good, uh, cool name, but Crash Bandicoot, I like the sound of that. Crash Bandicoot is a really good name, but how about our favorite dialogue lines in this episode? Dustin, what you got? What you got, Dustin? I got a few lines. Um, the the submarine one that we already said I had written down. Um, one of them isn't necessarily funny, but it is interesting. <laughs> okay. Um, I only wrote down part of the line, so I don't remember the context for it. But Sam says, uh, I want to write a letter to my to remind myself to smother you with a pillow in your sleep. Mm. And that's and that's funny since that is the plot of an actual Sam and Max comic. Wait, writing the letter Sam, or smothering with the pillow? Sm- smothering, he smothers Max with a pillow. Um, I forget why. I think Max just wanted to see what heaven was like. So Sam's <laughs> like, "Well, here you go. <laughs> Let's find out." And I just remember the scene. Sam is smothering him with a pillow, and he says, "You ever see one flew over the cuckoo's nest? Now there was a film." <laughs> yeah uh so i it's it's not one of my favorite lines but i just wrote it down because i was like oh they actually did a comic about that telltale sam would never do that but comic (laughs) sam is doing that all the time yeah it's just okay (laughs) um another line i really like so in every episode you can ask bosco if he has different items in stock and this episode is no exception but his response this time uh, really made me laugh. Sam asked him if he has any uh, wiener cozies for uh, the hot dogs in, in the rotisserie. And uh, Bosco says he'll go check. And then he says, wait, did you say wiener cozies? I thought you said Navajo blankets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, pretty good. They... <laughs> they don't sound alike at all. That's very funny. And another favorite line. Oh, okay. yeah, I have, I have, I have a lot of favorite lines written down. I think I've got um, two compared to your mini. I I hope I don't take yours. If you only have two, I hope I don't take it. I really don't think so. Uh, there's one part when you need to call the White House, but you can choose to call Mista Pizza instead. Mm-hmm. And Sam Sam says, uh, two medium pineapple and asbestos pies, please." Oh, yeah? Well, same to you, jerk. Max says, what did he say? And Sam says, thank you and have a nice day. (laughs) 
It's <laughs> good. Oh, another. I, I guess Damn, I don't Dustin. feel so bad having. Yeah, I guess I don't feel so bad having a lot of lines since you only have a couple. But do uh, it, yeah. When you're when you're when you're looking around the White House office, there's so many different objects you can look at, and one of them is a picture of the president's mom. And Sam says, apparently, even U.S. presidents have mothers. <laughs> that I didn't catch that one. That one's great. <laughs> um, <laughs> another one. Yeah, geez, I have like six. I'm sorry. How many more? But do you it's got, so. Dude? I I got a few. I'll ju- I'll just do a couple more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> um, one. My favorite part of the episode is when uh the president can't understand wizard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it it's so funny. He wizard just speaks normal. We already went into why the joke works, but there's one part where wizard says, "I don't even have an accent," and the pre- and the president just really slowly says. Uno momento, por favor. <laughs> Just talking really slowly to him. You can perfectly understand him. Oh, it, it just makes me giggle. Yeah, it's, it's a funny, funny game. <laughs> Woo. Okay, I, I think that's... Oh, no, there's one more. Okay, this is my okay, last I one. I thought so. And, it, and it's a small <laughs> one. It's a small yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's when you're uh, firing missiles at wherever you feel like, and you're about to launch a missile at Bosco's store, but, you know, BTAD stops it. But Max says, attention, Bosco shoppers, clean up in aisle everything. Wow, you like that one? <laughs> that one's... I, All right. I, I, thought, I, like, I thought... I like I, finding I thought out it was exactly funny. what you think is funny versus not funny versus because of what you do and don't clock for this segment. This is great. Like you really yeah. get down into the depths of a person's sense of humor and just find out yeah, it's, what they're it's, all about. <laughs> it's it's such a basic line, but just aisle everything. No, I <laughs> no, I got it. <laughs> See, it's funny because uh-huh. um, I actually have three. I think I have three. Okay. Um, cool. So, when uh, when you're on the phone with Sybil trying to set up the date with Lincoln, Sybil says, "Well then, Mister Rail Splitter," which is both a historical reference to the railroads that were being set up at the time of Lincoln's presidency, but also a horrifyingly lurid and lewd sexual reference. Mr. Rail Splitter, Jesus! <laughs> I felt I felt like icky <laughs> hearing that. He, he is our he is our tallest president, and you know what they say about that? Split big rails. Yes, my dear. Um. So when uh Sam is reading off of the uh, the cue cards that the president has in the office. Sam reads all what they all are and finishes by saying, and I did not have sex with that woman, which is the last cue card. And Max says, well, I did, but I didn't inhale. (laughs) (laughs) Which I thought was really funny. Um, Let's see. Looking at the throw pillows in the Oval Office, Sam says, these throw pillows are shaped like stars. Interesting, because actual stars are shaped more like throw pillows. (laughs) <laughs> I thought that was a cute observation as well. And I think that's... Oh, no, I have one more. Sorry, one more. Uh, I actually had four. I lied. 
Um, that's a that's a pretty good amount of lines. I think in the early episodes we only had like three. Yeah, that's true. Um, although I think at that point we were trying to pace ourselves a little bit more. That's true. Uh, looking at the pictures of the president with cardboard cutouts of other presidents. Sam says, are these pictures of you with cardboard cutouts of other presidents? And then the president says, we're all cardboard under the skin, son. Uh, <laughs> which is baffling. And I love that line. And that's, that's my lines. Oh, those are some good lines. Yeah. I uh, I never want to hear about Lincoln being a rail splitter ever again. <laughs> Dustin, where can the folks find you? Hey, everyone out there. You can find me on Twitter at AmazingDJDustin. I post some things here and there. I post a picture or two in my day. But Mitch, where can they find you? Well, that's a great question, Dustin. They can find me on Twitter at TheWolfFM. That's at T-H-E-W-O-L-F-E-F-M. And if you those are all great letters. Thank you. I they're some of my favorites. What? Uh, if you subscribe to the feed, you will be notified when we release what next week's episode. Thing. Sam and Max Save the World, Episode it Five: Reality 2.0. So do that. <laughs> I forgot that I had to end that sentence. Uh, <laughs> you pulled through in the end. Yeah, I really, I really nailed it. <laughs> you stuck the landing. Uh, so thanks for listening and we'll see you next time so long everybody war oh what's it good for it's good for you good for you it's good for me